On this episode of Narcissist Apocalypse, we talk with an abuse survivor named Charlie, and Charlie was married to a physical abuser. It's a story of future faking, infidelity, suicide threats, gaslighting, and holding on to a fantasy. Welcome to Narcissist Apocalypse, everyone. I am Brandon Chadwick, and with me today, we have Charlie. How are you? I'm doing pretty good. Well, thank you for being here today with us, Charlie. And if you want to be a guest like Charlie is today, please do go to our website at NarcissistApocalypse.com. Top of the page, there's a button that says Guest Form. When you click on that button, it takes you to our Guest Form page. There you can read all of our instructions and either send us an email at NarcissistApocalypse at gmail.com or fill out our Guest Form and press the Submit button. And please do send it in the format that we ask for. And today you are going to hear Charlie's story, and there is a content warning for this episode as we do discuss suicide threats, uh, an attempted suicide, and as well physical abuse in this episode. So that is your content warning for that today. And today you're going to hear Charlie's story, and Charlie was someone who was physically abused and we don't really get any stories on this show when it comes to men and being physically abused and you know Charlie was someone who went into this relationship and thought that everything was everyone was on the same page and you'll find out that that was not true and that he was being used for a, a green card and so Charlie I just really want to thank him for being here today and I'm going to get out of my way and your way. Charlie, the floor is now yours. Okay. Well, I grew up with a family. They were seven-day Adventists, so we went to church on Saturdays. I grew up with my mom, my dad. I had a brother, a younger brother, and an older sister. And we grew up in the islands. It was We had a pretty good relationship, a good family structure and stuff like that. I mean, my mom and dad were married. They lived together all, all my life. And, um, I mean, there were ups and downs, but, you know, it was always a good family structure type household. And that's the same type of stuff I always believed in and always see myself having in the future. And, you know, I always feel like in the future, I would always want to get married and, and settle down and, you know, have a beautiful family and good jobs. I always had that. I was always goal-oriented in that in that term. Um, I was a pretty good kid growing up. I went to one of the top schools when I was in high school. Um, you know, did science and IT, and I was always um, into computers and stuff. So that's what I went on to studying. Um, yeah, so once I got done, I, I went to high school earlier so I graduated earlier and um I moved to the U.S. I had some family staying in Mobile Alabama my my mom's sister so I came and they got me enrolled in this college 
sold Alabama. So I started doing like remedial classes and I just worked my way up from there. And then I started working and just kind of started building a life. I spent a long time in college because I had to like do, because a lot of the classes I did back home didn't transition, didn't transition properly over into the U.S. system. So my first two years, I was doing like a lot of different remedial type classes before I got into like my core classes. So I graduated in like uh, 2017, but by then I was working and going to college at the same time. I stay, I, I started living on my own and started working and just living my life. So eventually you do meet the person that this story is about, or you, or I should say you re- introduce yourself to the person that the story is about because you actually meet this person uh from where you're from at church when you are 12 to 13 years old and then eventually you 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 come back in 2016 and this is where you meet this person again so at this point how old are you when you are reintroduced to her so I was about 23 years old, about 23 when I, when I met, re, re, um, reconnected with her. And just like you said, part of the church stuff we used to do was going on camps and, you know, in the summertime. And we used to, I knew her from going to camps because we have different churches that come together. And even my mom was always a, a outgoing person with the young people. So sometimes she would have gatherings at her home where she invite all the young people and she would be there. We were all friends and, you know, cool and stuff like that. So in 2016, when I came back home, because I used to try to visit back home at least once a year. And um, I mean, I still, you know, spoke with her from time to time, but nothing, not long conversations or anything like that. And, um, you know, she was living her own life back home and I was living my life up here. But in 2016, we ended up just reconnecting and um, I had reached out to her till I was coming back home and we just kind of catch up. And she told me she was working at this resort. So I told her, you know, when I come down, I was going to just try to hang out with her, you know, just catch up. So I ended up, you know, picking her up from her workplace a few times and we end up talking and then we end up hanging out a few times and it, and that was pretty much that until I came back up here and we continued talking and stuff like that. So I was just telling her, you know, I really enjoyed her company and her time that we had down there. And I kind of liked, you know, what, what, you know, the feeling and stuff. And she expressed she had similar feelings. So we decided to, you know, started, you know, dating and see where it go from there. And um, we did that until I came back again the following year in 2017. And this time when we came, I came back in 2017, it was more official. So we pretty much did everything together, went everywhere together. And we had a lot of fun. And um, I had really felt like she had, um, she had really, you know, care about me and had my best interests at um, heart. And one thing that had kind of made me think that too was like back in 2016, um, 
when we while we were just friends, you know, it had somebody that was basically trying to use me, and she, you know, kind of stood up for me. So that had re- that that had made me really think that she was um she had care for me. So back in 2017, we hang out every day. We had a lot of fun, and I was down there for about three and a half weeks. And, you know, we just did everything together, went to different events. And after that, I came back up here. And when I came back up here, I kind of felt like she was sad that I was leaving. I wasn't sure, but I just had felt the vibe that she wasn't, you know, she was kind of sad that I was leaving. So I decided to work on her visa so that she could come up and spend some time with me. So I went ahead and did that. Um, this was around August 2017, so I started working on it. So by October 2017, we had got everything done, and then she came up to spend some time with me at the end of November of 2017. Before we get to the next part of your story, when it comes to this person, you know, this person stood up for you when someone was trying to take advantage of you. So right there, you're getting this feeling that this person has your back and that that they wouldn't do anything that would be the same you know that they wouldn't go behind your back or they have your best interest at heart that they would stand up for you and eventually everyone will find out that that's not true and besides that what else do you like about her and do you share common goals you know which could be a bit of future faking etc things things like that well, um, back back in 2017, as we had started dating and hanging out a lot more, she was a very calming person. She liked to have fun. She liked to laugh a lot. We, we both came from the same religion, but we weren't. We we were, I felt like we both was on the same page because we weren't like strict followers of the of of our religion. We were kind of like the just lackadaisical type you know we we believe in some of the beliefs but we weren't following everything by the book so we i kind of felt connected to her strangely that way because we both was like sort of rebels rebellious to some of the stuff that the religion um you know entail i i felt we was on the same page too but not back but but later on like when she came up here and i used to tell her my plans and my goals she made it seem like she was on the same page, which ultimately my plan was for us to, you know, work together. I always have this dream of building together with a partner. So I expressed that to her, you know, numerous times. And she gave me the feeling that she was on that same page and that's what she wanted to. So eventually, you know, November 2017, her paperwork, you know, comes through. So what happens from here? We we continued living together up until April when we decided to get married. During that time, we did have a few ups and downs, but it wasn't anything serious. We made plans to have our wedding ceremony in St. Vincent, where we were from the following year. But we decided to just go ahead and get married, get the set, um, and get that out the way, so we could you know start on our life journey together. And eventually, you know, you decide to join the military as part of this, you know, plan that you had and that going to the military was going to provide you, you know, additional benefits 
uh, in the future once, you know, going through the whole entire process. So what happens from here? So I was in the delayed entry program, so I didn't go off to training as yet, but I had to still report to the base and do my one week in a month. And in, uh, it was July, 2019 was my day, was, was my day to get shipped off of basic military training. So before I got shipped off of basic military training, um, I had to, we were, we, we went back home in June of 2019, but even before we went back home in June of 2019, there was an incident where I was doing her paperwork for, this was for her to get her green card now because she had got her visa to come over here. We got married, so for her to stay now, she had to do her green card. So it was around August, September. I was doing her paperwork and then I was on the computer. Her Facebook was signed in and it had messages just keep going off constantly, constantly. Because I saw them, but I was trying to focus on the, the green card paperwork that I was doing. But they just kept going off constantly, constantly. So I went and I checked. And when I checked, I noticed that she was flirting with this guy sending sexual messages to him. They were talking about meeting up when we go back home and having one last ride and stuff like that. And apparently the guy was of the opinion that I was just her fiance at the time, but at that time we was already married and she did not correct him or anything. She was going along with it. So I immediately got upset. I approached her about it. She was dumbfounded. She didn't really even say a lot. I did most of the talking, just expressing how disappointed and mad and angry I was. And then I stormed out the house. I was gone probably for, I don't remember, an hour or two. And then when I came back, I came back to a suicidal letter, pills on the floor. She said, the suicidal letter was basically saying that she was sorry and all this type of stuff. So I immediately got scared. I called the police. I let them know what was going on within minutes. They had police and detectives all throughout my house. So, like, I've never seen so many detectives on one scene. Like, it wasn't even a crime scene, you know. And um, they couldn't find her. They couldn't reach her. They had drones out and everything looking for her. And then eventually, later on that evening, this lady brought her back to the house, said that she found her sitting by the park or on the side of the street somewhere, she brought her back. She said they had spoke to her. She told her what was going on. So I had to call the police back. They came, the ambulance and stuff came. They took her to the infirmary. She was in the suicidal um, part or whatever. It took a couple of days before I was able to see her. I think a day or two before I was able to see her. And when I saw her, she was, um, I was just trying to make sure she was in good condition. And then we spoke and we talked and then she apologized and telling me how she, you know, didn't mean none of that stuff. And she was just bored and the guy was just pressing it and she just went along with it. But at the time I was just scared, you know, for her condition. And I felt like that I wasn't able to be angry. And I was just like, okay, this is just a small hiccup in this whole situation. She didn't mean it. And I'm like, she didn't mean it. I'm, I'm looking at it. I'm like, she didn't mean it. And she's so sorry that she felt this bad about herself. I, I always kept that um picture in my head about this goal. And that eventually was kind of my downfall. Just keep fantasizing about this goal that I have for us to build a life together and have good job, family and all that type of stuff. But 
really what happened there. Looking back, I felt like she just flipped this flipped the script. So that way I would no longer be angry about the situation that she just did because it was a very bad situation when you when you think about it because you know, how could you be a married woman who just recently got married and here you're in conversation with another guy from back home planning to meet up with him when we go back on vacation and have sex with him? And that's that's really very crazy. But it really got brushed under the mat, you know, because of the whole suicidal situation. And, you know, me just having empathy for her after she tried to or pretended to be suicidal. So my assumption is back home growing up that you don't have any experience of someone like this at all. Not at all. And not at all. I never experienced any, you know, anybody like this. And yeah. And even as, as, as we dig deeper into this and it get wild, like I've never experienced anything like this. Like I've seen people do some crazy stuff. I've seen, you know, people, you know, be cheat and do other stuff, but not to this magnitude of everything that, that happened in this situation. So eventually, you know, you're going to be getting deployed. But before that happens in 2019, there's things that happen again that start to, you know, creep up here. So tell us about this. I called her texting another guy on Instagram. And what I didn't like about the um the conversation was that she was referring to him as Bay and sending him um, you know, kissy face, kiss kissing face emojis within their conversations. And I didn't go through all of their conversations because that was enough for me, but I know they were talking about me. And she was saying her excuse was that she have to when me and her get into any type of argument or disagreement. She needs somebody to vent to. She needs to talk to somebody. So that's why she um, talked to these other, you know, guys. And we argued about that for a while because I was like, why are you calling him Bay? And why are you sending him a uh, kissy face emoji? And she's trying to downplay it like it's nothing. And then with the whole Bay thing, she's saying, oh, that's how she talked to everybody. And that's 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 a, uh, a issue that, that prolonged the relationship because that's an excuse that she always tried to say that she referred to everybody as that, but she don't refer to me as that. Um, you know, generally she would only refer to me as that if she's making a joke or just trying to get something, you know, out of me, but generally she would just call me by my name. So how is it you call me by my name, but you call all these other guys, Bay and all this type of stuff. So we had got into a, you know, a, uh, I won't say a big argument, but we did get into an argument over that whole situation. And then, but after that, you know, like we would argue about these stuff. She would give me her excuses. I would tell her my side of the story. Then we would, we, then we would go back to normal. Before I left, I, has, I was really trying to get her up to speed so that she could handle everything while I'm gone. So I made sure she was in school, made sure I got her, you know, getting her driver's license. I got her, her, I bought her vehicle so that she could drive also. And I gave her all the passwords to all the accounts and access to my bank account. So that's, that's pretty much how that went. Now in November, 2019, I had to come back home because the house had caught on fire. The, the house next to, 
next to where, where we were staying had caught on fire and some of it had spread over to my house. So she had texted me about it. I told my supervisors and they told me to fly home and, you know, handle my business. So I did that. And this is a crucial part too, because when I came back home in 2019, something felt off, you know, and that's why now I realize I need to trust my intuition because at that point, something felt off. And I realized later on, by that time, she was already cheating on me and messing with other guys. But I knew something felt off, you know, I felt it. I felt it. When we lay in the bed, went to sleep, something just felt really off. I couldn't put my hand on it. I didn't know what it was at the time, but I just let it, left it alone. I boarded up the windows, got the house cleaned up, and I went back off to Texas. Came back in December um, on our Christmas break. Um, we went to a few places together over the whole, for the whole Christmas break and stuff like that. And um, that was that. We, we we didn't really have much arguments in this during that Christmas break. Um, she, I saw that she was settling in, and I, I was kind of happy that she was settling in because I know in the past she was complaining about being um, lonely and not having nobody to talk to because I had even introduced her to a lot of my friends, a lot of my female friends. And even while I was gone, my female friends used to hang out with her check up on her, come and pick her up and take her to places when they go into places and stuff like that. Because I, I really had her best interest at heart. So I was just trying to see how much I could make her feel better in the whole, you know, the whole situation that was going on. So you told me in our pre-call that some of these arguments that you would have would start over something small that you were being nitpicked on and then eventually these things grew over time so what were the arguments like like was was it a back and forth at at this point like did you take arguments and just kind of listened or were you like going back and forth uh, tit for tat uh, with your partner at this point yeah when when we had arguments um it would be loud because me, myself, I would get loud. She would get loud. Back in 2018, when we had few arguments, she never attacked. She didn't attack me, but she did break some of my stuff up at the time. She would, you know, damage my stuff, break some of my stuff. They had one incident where she broke some stuff up. And I just thought that was just a one-off situation. It started getting violent when, um, it started getting violent when I got back in um 2020. That's when it really started getting violent. I don't even remember exactly what the conversation was about, but I remember we were arguing about something in May. And as I walked by the kitchen, she had some milk boiling, warming on the stove. She got mad and threw the milk on my back. So this milk is scorching my back now. So... I was, I think I ran to the front door or something like that. I was kind of screaming because the stuff had scorched my back. And then in all of that, she didn't even try to apologize or reassure me or comfort me. She then came at me with a knife and told me to get out the house. So I got out the house and then I called the police because I was just tired. At this point, I was just tired of her acting this way. So I called the police. The police came over. And they eventually took her to jail. And then I bonded her out the next day. And 
we just went on from there because I thought that that situation would have kind of been a wake up call to her, but apparently it was not. And stuff just still kept back and forth, up and down. Like one one day we might one week we might be good, the next week is just argument. So we um we continued um arguing, but that charge didn't go anywhere because whenever the court day came up, you know, I just went ahead and told him it was a misunderstanding. They naughty the case and stuff like that because I even I really didn't want her to go to jail or anything. I'd even tell the police officer if we could just take her to the station that her calm down and bring her back or something like that. I just didn't want her to be acting crazy and doing stuff like that. But I didn't want to like, you know, damage her career or reputation or anything. So for you right here, I mean, this is a major escalation from what was happening before, you know, in arguments before she might've broken your stuff. You know, there's the infidelity stuff that was going on. There was the suicide note in, in the pills. And now you have hot milk being thrown at you on your back and, you know, being forced out of the house, you know, with someone coming at you with a knife. So you've gone from a normal upbringing where you're not used to seeing any of this stuff to yeah. to a real serious situation here and you don't want this person's life to be destroyed by a charge of of any sort but at this point are you scared and are you scared to go to sleep like cuz now cuz now you're dealing with someone where it's now a pattern of unpredictability is maybe the best way to put it and at this point, I wasn't even, I mean, I, looking back, I should have been scared. But at this point, I wasn't scared because what happened, too, is like after all her arguments and all her violent outbursts and whenever she's calm, she would tell me, oh, you know, I don't mean those stuff I say. You don't mean that stuff I do. I was just mad. I was just angry. And she would always downplay the situation. So I think back then in my mind, I was just like, as long as she's not mad and as long as she's not angry, everything is going to be okay. So, and that's basically like going into the whole caretaking type situation. And I didn't even realize it at that time. So my job now was just to make sure that she doesn't get upset. She doesn't get angry and everything will be fine. And that's how I was looking at it instead of actually seeing the reality of what it was. So that, that's, that's how, that's how I kind of adjusted to it. But I really wasn't fearful. I really wasn't scared of her because I just looked at it like she was just doing this out of anger. I didn't, at that time, I didn't realize that this is actually her nature and the, the stuff that she was capable of, you know. So what happened? So in August, I went to um, training, which was about an hour, hour away. So I would stay up there most of the times. But then sometimes I would um, come home. So we had a situation that happened in September, which is just a month after I was I was gone. So I had came back. I had came back home and we got into an argument. So we had an argument and it got physical. She was beating on me, hitting on me. And 
But I had the video on my phone showing that I did not attack her and I was the one getting attacked and beating up the whole time. So that was that was a frustrate that was a very frustrating experience for me because that was the first time where I really felt helpless and felt being punished for something I didn't do and it was all her fault. So but anyway, I tried to smooth out the whole situation and and help us move on past that. Even while even so even while I was still on training and stuff, you know, we would communicate. A lot of times, sometimes she would tell me that she's going out to do, you know, her friend hay and stuff like that. Cause she was trying to do hay on the side. And I was I also was trying to motivate her to do, you know, also work and also have a, a side hustle, some type of side gig. That's what I always tried to inspire her to do because I was the same way, because I used to work my regular job and then I used to do Ubering and stuff like that. And that's what I was doing too. Even when I was in training in Texas, I would do Ubering on the weekend and stuff like that. Cause I always had this goal for us to just work and hustle and, and be successful together. So a lot of times it had a lot of nights she would go out and tell me that she is um going to do people's hair. And because I was in, uh, our way, staying our way at this time, I wasn't able to keep up with a lot of this stuff, you know. But later on, I realized that she was engaging in other activities during that time. But I came back home permanently now in January of 2021. Went back to working and, and doing my regular thing. And then eventually I had got a new job at um, the Department of Transportation doing IT stuff, which is what I wanted to do because that's what I had, you know, studied in school and stuff like that. And um, this is where, this this is the most crucial year because this is where stuff had really started to get really crazy. And um, I, I, she, she, and that's why, and I even used to tell her this, I said, every year is always you and a new guy. It's always you and some guy. Every year we're dealing with the same thing. I used to tell her that all the time, every year. So it was another guy she was texting too. You know, I saw the phone records of her texting this guy constantly, 24-7. And um, she even tried to like, um, I don't know well, I don't know how to put it, but she kind of, she, she basically was telling me, when I approached her and confronted her about the situation, she tried to tell me, well, it wasn't what I think it was. They were just friends. They used to work together. And um, she she used to play these mind games because she would even tell me, oh, that the guy even agree with me that they shouldn't be um, they shouldn't be texting that much and all this type of stuff. Or she would try to tell me that the guy understand what I was saying because that one of that guy, I think I had text him and be like, hey, this is my wife. You know, why y'all you know texting that much? You know, he never responded to me, but she came back and told me, yeah, he agreed with what I was saying and stuff like that. But I used to really get um, frustrated with all this um, texting with these guys she used to have going on. But every time I confront her and approach her about it, it was always some excuses. She would always make it seem like I'm the one being crazy. I'm the one, you know, overreacting to the situation. And it's not like, you know, it's not like that and all this type of stuff. 
So eventually your partner gets a new job at a department store. So what happens from here? This is where stuff get even more crazy. And this is what I'm saying. Like throughout this whole relationship, she would always do sketchy stuff from not just the, you know, from the texting, the texting other people, all these flirtatious messages to lying about her whereabouts and being sketchy with her whereabouts and, and stuff like that. So I remember one time in September, I was actually, it was a week and I was actually on, on base, which was an hour away because I had drilled that weekend. And she texted me and told me she needed to talk to me. She wasn't feeling, um, she wasn't feeling good. She was feeling suicidal about some miscarriage and stuff like that. So I had to leave work to go home and deal with the situation. They advised me to go home and deal with the situation. So I went home. I talked to her about it and stuff like that. But it always stood out in my mind, too, because I was wondering why all of a sudden know that she's having a miscarriage because I haven't changed anything that I was doing since we met up in um, 2017. So I'm like, why now? you know, four or five years later, you having a miscarriage. And I was always kind of skeptical about that because I just didn't understand how you could have a miscarriage. So I was just, so, but I just played it all. But in the, in, in the back of my mind, it just didn't really make sense to me. But I said, it's probably a one-off situation. You know what I'm saying? At this point too, I was even accusing her of cheating on me and being with other guys and all this type of stuff. And she would get mad that I'm accusing her of this type of stuff. I got to the point where I was tired of the relationship and all this type of stuff that was going on because I was, I was just at, like I said, at this point, I did not have any concrete proof that something was going on, like infidelity, like actual physical cheating, but all the red flags and the signs were just leading to it. So I told her that I didn't want to, I, I told her that I didn't want to be with this. I didn't want this relationship no more. I wanted it to end. So I guess at this point now, when she saw that I was serious, she came back and apologized for everything and told me that, and she pulled the same suicidal card again, saying that, but I didn't even, at this time, I didn't take her serious, but she came around apologizing, saying that she's sorry for, you know, how she's been acting the last couple of months and she's going to try and do better and all this type of stuff. So I said, okay, cool. So at one point, your partner files a sexual misconduct claim against someone at work, and then she ends up getting fired from work. And this presents a situation for you where you fight for her about what's going on. So walk us through what happened uh, while it was going on, but also what you learned in, uh, in the aftermath as well within this actual situation. Later on that month, she got fired from her job. So she came home and she told me she got fired. And she wasn't even as upset. I was more upset than her because previously she had filed a sexual assault on a coworker because she said the coworker had inappropriately touched her. And she brought it towards to her managers and stuff like that. And it seemed like they weren't taking it serious. So I had to go with her, go to the police station with her. And I was basically with her fighting for her. So after they fired her, 
I was of the opinion that they fired her out of retaliation because she filed a um, sexual complaint. And um, so we talked to an attorney, filed with the EEOC, and, you know, she made up this. She made it seem like, you know, she was just being victimized due to this whole situation. But later on, I found out none of that was, was, was what it was. Well, what I found out happened later on was she was actually having relations with a lot of these um with with a lot of these coworkers. And she left work to engage in sexual activity in, in the car with one of her coworkers. And she was gone for about 35, 40 minutes while she was still clocked in. And that's how she got fired. She told me that she was gone because she went to her car to get medicine, you know, medicine for her headache, pills for her headache or something like that. And I found this out after, you know, this year, basically, after we split up, I found this out from her coworkers. But at that time, I didn't know any of this. I was just going along with what she was saying. And I'm going around like a fool trying to fight for her and help her with these cases and dealing with these all this legal stuff. So she was only out of a job for a couple of weeks. And then by January of the following year, 2022, she started working at at the bank. She went through her training and everything. And she started working over there. And then I started getting the same type of um vibe with her. You know, she was just out late and all this type of stuff. So... I put a tracker on her car and I saw that she wasn't at the um at work because I started monitoring it without saying anything to her. So I, I noticed it was like in the middle of the day, around two o'clock. And she wasn't at work. She was actually at a house, you know, someone house. So I text her and I'm like, hey, how you doing? How you day going? And she's like, it's good. You know, uh, we're not that busy at work, you know, just straight lying to me. So I'm super suspicious now what's going on because I'm like, I'm literally seeing this tracker is not at work, but you're telling me work, you're not busy at work. You're giving me the impression that you're at work and it's not busy, but you're clearly not at work. So I drove to where where she was at. And on the way driving to where she was at, I saw her coming back. So I still went to where she was at because I wanted to see where she was. So I drove to the location. It was a house. So I left a note on the person's house. I said, hey, my name is such and such. I'm at, um, you know, um, this is my wife and I'm trying to figure out what's going on, blah, blah, blah. So, you know, that whole situation didn't even turn out well. Um, We ended up... um, we ended up talking about it. The guy actually got mad at me for leaving the note on his door. And I was in no way disrespectful or anything. And I don't see why he would even be mad at me because, you know, any man would want to find out what's going on if you see all this stuff that's going on. But it, it was a lot of underlying stuff going on because apparently, you know, she was, you know, talking and seeing these people for a while and giving them one side of a story and already smearing my name to them. So they had their own preconceived notions about me but anyway this stuff kept going on and i confronted her about you know lying but instead she would get mad with me and tell me to take the trackers off her car and stuff like that 
So I asked her, why would you lie about it? You know, and she's saying, oh, she basically she told me, you know, this guy was a guy she met from her previous job. And he was basically like a like just a friend to her because he was she was there for him when he was when he was going through some problems or break breaking down when his wife after his wife had passed. So and this is the same guy who had bought her some AirPods because one time I was cleaning up the room, I saw a receipt for some AirPods and his and then, and his name was on it. So I was asking her like, who is this person and why are they buying you AirPods? Because, you know, AirPods at that time were probably close to two hundred dollars. So I'm trying to see why somebody, you know, spending this type of money on you. And she, you know, was saying, Oh, you know, he um it was this guy who met him who she met while he was at work. He came in, he broke down because he had just lost his wife. She consoled him and she was um he was appreciative that she consoled him and stuff like that. So she she just wanted to show her appreciation. The story just sounded like, you know, suspicious to me anyway, but that's what she was saying. So I just said, okay, whatever. So a few months later, things seemed fine for a while, but then you got an inkling that things weren't really right again. So you asked her about it and things got physical again. So walk us through this. So she took her phone and, you know, struck me in my head and now I'm bleeding, busting my head wide open and now I'm bleeding. So I um, called the police. She left. And we and at this point we split up for about a month, and she went to stay with the same guy who she said is just her friend, who you know be looking out for her or, or whatever. And then they had another suspicious stuff that happened that same month in April 2022. We why we were split up, you know, because we were split up for about a for up for about a month. So during that time. Out of the blue, she just told me that she had to go to some, she was going on some birthday trip with, with her girlfriends. One of her girlfriends was having a birthday trip, just out the blue. And this was soon after we had split up, like a week after. So I'm like, how come I never heard about no birthday trip like this or anything? And she was very just nonchalant about giving me any response. So she went on this trip. I never see any, I never saw any birthday trip. I mean, I never saw any pictures with no birthday. I never saw no pictures with none of these girlfriends she went. Um, the pictures I saw that she posted on social media um, was a guy. One of the pictures, they had a guy taking a picture in the background. So even though all this has happened, the physical abuse, the lies, and a lot of the circumstantial evidence of cheating, but a definite reason to believe that this cheating is going on, you still want to get back together and you do reconcile. And she ends up going back to school and has a lot of homework in this time. So what happens from here? We tried to work, we, we were trying to work on the relationship right then, because at this point we're back together. We try, you know, we, we said we were going to try to make it better and try to do, you know, the right thing. So, but it had seemed, it had going on to the end of, um, 2022, it seemed like the relationship was starting to get better. And, um, she was, it seemed like she was trying to communicate a bit more. 
but also coming on to I think this was around the end of September. We were doing we were doing schoolwork. So one one day while we was doing the homework, I had looked at her messages on the on her on her laptop. And I saw she was texting this guy and they both accusing each other of cheating on each other. So I questioned her about it and she was just, you know, giving me all type of excuses. At first she was saying that she don't know what those messages was about. Then one point then at one point in time she was saying the messages wasn't for her, it was for some it was for somebody else. But what what was strange to me was that the whole time when I was upset and accusing her of it, she was not really, she was just, she was not really, um, she wasn't mad or shocked. It, it's like she had a, it, to me, it seemed like she had a smirk on her face and it was like, she was looking at me like I'm overreacting and it's not what I think it should be. But what kind of made me not blow it out of proportion was the fact of how calm she was. So it kind of just made me feel like at that point, it made me feel like it can't. I was just thinking, well, it's probably not what I'm thinking it is if she's this calm about it. That's what I was thinking. So that that made me not really get very, very upset about the whole situation because she was just calm about it and just downplaying it like it wasn't nothing. But it was clear that the guy was telling her that she was messing with somebody else and if she messes with somebody else he don't want to deal with her and she was saying that she's not messing with nobody else he's the one that's cheating and stuff like that that was pretty much the last situation that was that was that was um that stood out to me so i just want to point out to people here that your partner learned a little bit or your partner change tactics here and instead of arguing back she went calm and that threw you off and this was clear as day proof of her cheating without actually catching her doing the act itself and she was really able to gaslight you with this change and she was able to minimize what you are thinking and feeling here too and this was all followed by a period of where she became excited about your relationship and this seemed very odd to you so what happened from here um even in april of this year april 2023 i was at work and she just sent me a picture out the blue saying basically me and her for life with hot faces on it and she was just being nicer and that's why I'm saying it felt like the relationship was getting better, but I was still very skeptical because it was so it was strange to me that all of a sudden now she's trying to, you know, act nice and be nicer. Even for our anniversary that was in May of 2023, she was all excited about it. I was saying, telling me what we're gonna she was telling me it was our five-year anniversary, we have to do it big. I wasn't that excited about it because we went through so much, you know, BS in the past. I wasn't very excited about it, but she was all excited about it. Like, like nothing ever happened. And I just found all this stuff to be very strange, but I was still going along with it. You know, I'm just going along with it. But in the back of my mind, I'm just like, this stuff is strange. So it's like, I tell people from around August of 2022, I felt like the relationship was getting better, but at the same time, I was suspicious of it. So I was still just paying attention. 
So when everything, when we split up now, she told me that she was going to run some errands for her mom. It was a weekend. We was actually supposed to go to dinner that Friday, I believe. But that Friday, it started having bad weather. So we planned to do it the Saturday evening instead. So she told me that she have to do a lot of stuff that Saturday. So it would be later in the evening. And she'll be back home around 6 p.m. So the Saturday came, I got up, I made her breakfast because I, I cook a lot. And, you know, so I made breakfast and she sat, we sat down in the living room, eat and talk. She asked me what all I was going to be doing that day. I said I was going to cut some grass. I was going to do some deliveries. And I was just after that, I was going to wait until she get back. I told her I was going to be done with everything I have going on about four o'clock. And seeing that she said she was going to come at six, I was just going to relax until she come back around. So I did exactly what I said I was going to do. And she basically said she was going to be running these errands for her mom and stuff like that. It's 6.30 in the evening. She still haven't called me or said anything to me. And I had got to the point where once she tell me what she's doing that day and she's going out, I would just leave her alone because when I used to call and check up on her, she would get mad, not answer the phone. So to avoid all that drama, if she already tell me what she's going to be doing this day, I'll just give her her space and her time. So it's 6.30 now. She haven't called me. She haven't texted me. She haven't said anything after she said she was going to be back home by 6. So I text her now and I'm like, hey, well, I called her. She didn't answer the phone. So I text her. I'm like, hey, are we still going out to eat? She's like, yeah. So I'm like, okay, so what were you tied up doing all day that have you so busy that you can't make it back, you know, at six, like you said, you was going to make it back at six. So she said, um, she ran some errands with her mom that she went to a car show. So I immediately got mad because I just know that was BS. Because like I said, a lot of the excuses she told me in the past, I just know they are BS because they don't make sense. But I didn't have any proof. But this one to me was just blatant because I'm like a car show. I have friends and buddies who into cars and car show. There's no car show going on. There's no car show going on around here. And I told her, you know what? We need to separate. We need some space. And I got mad with her. And, you know, we started cursing each other through text messages on the phone. But I was telling her she needs to leave. She needs to go because uh, we need to separate and have some space apart. So soon after this, she does her best to gain sympathy from you by texting you that she got into an accident. She sends you songs to remind you of the good times. She also tries to invite you out to events. And you don't go for this at all. You don't fall for this at all. And she eventually wants to come and get something from her house. She wants to get all of her belongings from your house, but you say no. And that is not because you don't want her to get her stuff, but it's because you want really not to be left alone with her so you actually want to call the police just to have the police there so nothing can be misconstrued at all that everything is taken there's no disagreements there's no arguing nothing can actually come of this because you really don't want to be alone with this person because they've proven themselves to be very unpredictable And you actually say this to her that you want the police there because really this is the best thing to do when you're in your position. And she ends up saying that it's just going to take too long. You know, the police are going to take their time. And then this just doesn't happen. So what happens from here? So I think it was about a couple of weeks after now. um, 
she we had got into an argument without trying to get with her to when she could come and get her stuff because she keeps saying she wanted to get her stuff. So she was not responding to me anymore. And I see her on social media on 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 Instagram doing all this, you know, posting stuff and 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 uh, and stuff like that. So I said, okay, if you don't want to talk to me, you don't have to worry about talking to me again. So I blocked her and I, you know, I went on about my day. So that Sunday, she went and texted my mom and told my mom that she wanted to get all her stuff and that I blocked her and I'm holding her stuff hostage. So my mom told her that they would, you know, basically organize for her getting her stuff. They came up to the con- they came to the agreement that she would come that um I think that Tuesday or Wednesday to get her stuff around five, five o'clock. She came, she got her stuff with a came with a U-Haul. She came and got all her stuff out the room and left. So she left. After she left, the following day now, after that, she went and filed a protection order against me saying that I put a gun to her head and told her to get out my house, which ne- which never happened. So I was trying to get in contact with her and, you know, like, what is this about? Why are you lying and doing this stuff to me? You know, this is crazy. But she didn't respond or anything like that. So that's pretty much how the relationship just dissolved. So as days go by now, I'm trying to find out what's all going on. I'm starting to look into stuff and dig into stuff. And it, it was about a month later now. This was at like the end of September. This is when I found out that everything that I was accusing her of throughout the relationship was true. Because then I found out he had she was pregnant a lot of times. And I knew nothing about this. Even around the time when I was in Texas, there was no way I could have been the one to have getting her pregnant. The miscarriage she told me about, that wasn't the only miscarriage she had. She had other miscarriages before in the past. All of this stuff was unknown to me. And then after I had found her co-workers contact and reached out to them and was talking with them, they also told me that she told them that she was only using me just to get the green card. So it confirmed everything to me. And at the point when I found out all this information, it, it it was a lot for me to process at the time. It was a lot. I remember sitting in my living room for two days because it was a weekend in September that I was looking through and, you know, digging through and found all this information. And it, it was a lot. It was heartbreaking. It was very heartbreaking. It was very distraughting for me. Did not eat, did not shower, did not move when I found out this information because at this time, I realized that every single thing that I had accused her of was true, and it was actually worse than worse. So, yeah. So if you had any words of wisdom for everyone listening, what would it be? Uh, trust, trust your intuition. That's what I learned. Trust your intuition. Because I really, I really give her the benefit of the doubt a lot in this situation. And I put up with a lot of um, a lot of abuse, a lot of emotional abuse, and a lot of just a lot of stuff I wasn't supposed to put up with. And what really made me put up with a lot of that stuff is because I was just being too nice, and I kept fantasizing about this dream that we had, you know, to get a life together and stuff like that. So what I would tell people is to trust your intuition. If your gut is telling you something is off, it's possibly off, and just don't get don't get tied up and caught up in fantasies at all because I had to learn it the hard way. And I wish I didn't waste all this time, you know. 
Well, Charlie, I really want to thank you for being here with us today and, and sharing your story. Story. We don't really have a lot of men that come on the show, especially ones that are physically abused. Uh, so a really big thank you for uh, being here with us today and sharing your story. And you're going to help a lot of people by being here with us today. I thank you for having me too and allowing me to share my story. Well, thank you, Charlie, once again for being our guest this week. And if you want to be a guest like Charlie was today, please go to NarcissistApocalypse.com. Top of the page, there's a button that says Guest Form. When you click on that button, it takes you to our Guest Form page. And there you can read all of our instructions and either send us an email at NarcissistApocalypse at gmail.com or fill out our Guest Form and press the Submit button. And please do send it in the format that we ask for. And we have a support group at our website at NarcissistApocalypse.com. So if you need support, go to NarcissistApocalypse.com. Top of the page, there's a button that says Support Group. When you click on that button, it takes you to our very own safe social network. And there you will see that we have Zoom meetings every Wednesday night, Thursday afternoons, and Saturday nights. We have forum boards for you to post on to get the validation that you need from survivors just like you. You can make a lot of great friends on there too. So if you need support, join our support group today. And if you need even more support, please do visit our friends at DomesticShelters.org. DomesticShelters.org has articles and resources to help you make sense of what you're dealing with. They have every phone number and email address and web address for shelters and agencies, no matter how big or small the town you're in. DomesticShelters.org has it there. It is a wonderful free resource, so if you need extra support, go to DomesticShelters.org today. And we have another friend of the show called Shelter Movers. And Shelter Movers, everyone, can be found at sheltermovers.com. And Shelter Movers helps survivors of domestic violence transition to a better and safer life. It is a volunteer organization, a donor-supported organization, charitable organization as well. It is currently only in Canada, but they're looking to expand into the United States. And what they do is they help coordinate moves for people who are getting out of domestic violence and course of control. They also get all of your things out of your home into storage, all of your belongings into storage, and they can do this for your pets and livestock too. It is a wonderful organization, and if you just need help from them or you just want to donate to them, please go to sheltermovers.com. And that is it for today's Survivor Story, today's episode. So for myself and Charlie, we hope you have a good night. <laughs>